How big can your eBay business get? Hi, my name is Mike and I've been reselling for about a year and a half, but I've been in retail for most of my life. And for the last 18, I've been working for a very large corporation. So I think I have a pretty good understanding about business and taking some business classes. So we're going to hopefully give you some of those answers today. And with me today is... Hi, I'm Jen and I've been selling on eBay for about a year. All right, so one of our listeners reached out to us and they were selling some e some Tupperware and they were researching on how to sell their, their Tupperware that they had. They came across this podcast and found out that we, that we like to sell vintage Tupperware. So they reached out to us on email yeah. and we're negotiating with them or kind of just in the very, very beginning stages of talking to them, seeing what they have. Sounds like they have quite a bit of Tupperware. Are you ready to take on a bunch more Tupperware? I'm not opposed to it if it ends up being a good opportunity. It sounds exactly like the last opportunity that we had. Mm -hmm. We just have to see if the prices are right. We'll have to see if it's in the condition that we need it to be in and right. um, for the price point that we would need it to be at because we need to be profitable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We do. There's a lot of competition for our particular product on eBay, so we have to be mindful of um, taking on more, but I'm definitely interested. It was yep. exciting. <laughs> we haven't been doing doing too bad with the Tupperware that we have, so I'm looking forward to talking to these guys and seeing what else they have because, uh, yeah, it sounds exactly like what we just bought. So to get another, another 800 uh, pieces of Tupperware would be kind of cool. <laughs> All right. Something else that I had was uh, we I noticed on one of the Facebook groups they were talking about doing paying for their shipping labels with credit cards. Now we come with a caveat because we both are not debt people. We do not believe in debt. We don't like debt. We don't like any of that stuff. We have credit cards, but we use them as charge cards, not credit cards. We pay them off every single month, mm -hmm. and. I didn't realize that you could pay for shipping labels with a credit card. Very tempting. <laughs> now, what you do with a credit card, what we do with our credit cards is we get the ones that give us the most points for either you can have airline miles or our favorite is the Chase Sapphire Preferred, Reserved, Preferred, one of the two. But it gives you re ultimate reward points, which you can transfer to United or you can transfer to Hyatt points, all that kind of stuff. So as long... As the points pay out better than the fee of having a credit card on eBay, I think we're going to move over to that. But it comes with a couple caveats because we are about to drop. We got our LLC last year and it was free last year. Well, this year it's $700 or $800 in California. So I think we're going to dissolve the LLC. Then we're going to have to get a new business name, new business license, all that kind of stuff. It's still going to stay Pickers Podcast, but it's probably going to be a sole proprietorship instead of an LLC. Just redoing some paperwork. A lot of paperwork. It's You want to keep your business away from your per personal. So, All right, so let's roll into our topic. How big can your eBay business or reselling business online get? And this can be a very subjective topic because there's going to be Big resellers, average resellers, and then just your common everyday resellers. So Yeah, but I think we have some really good advice regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum. I think a lot of this applies. No we what. do. 
We do, and I'm gonna start off with the number one answer. I'm gonna give you the answer in the beginning so you don't have to go all the way through. And then we're gonna talk more about the other ones too. The number one is, and it's kind of a, kind of a no-brainer, but you want to sell items with the most profit margin. So it's a no-brainer, but to be honest with you, probably only 20% of resellers are up in that category. So what you're looking for is you're looking, so for an example, an average reseller, probably, I don't know, we have 800, 800, or we have 500 listings in our store right now, right? So we have 500 active oh, listings in yeah. our store right now. <laughs> yeah. So we're an average reseller. So if you look at that, 500 listings, and we're making $16 profit on each one of those, which isn't bad. Averaged. Yeah, average, which isn't bad for us, for an average reseller. But if you get a high profit margin item, that fi those 500 listings, and if you're making 50 to $100 on each one of those items, you're not going to have to have so much inventory to be able to double or triple your, your average price that you get out of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's the number one is a high profit margin, same amount of inventory as an average reseller, but you're going to make a whole lot more money which is a whole lot less of your time if you want it to be to For be sure. able to pay your bills. Especially if you have multiples of things, a lot easier to list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Less, less time consuming more money. <laughs> yeah, you just have to make one listing and have a quantity of 400. That'd be nice to have someday. Then you don't <laughs> have to list it. But, and we'll go into the other ones too a little bit later on, but Jen's got some, some, uh, ideas about business goals what do you got for sure. us i think it's really important as you are preparing to make this decision that you clearly define your business's goals and you write them down and you kind of know them by heart like these should be things that you've really thought out like your why behind what you are doing why you want to own a small business um you need to thoroughly understand your your personal work values as well as you know you just your logistical needs and your priorities. So scaling up successfully is going to mean that you really understand these whys and you've and putting them down on paper helps you know determine the how and the when behind it. So knowing your reasons. Um, is really an important part of it. A lot of people just get caught up in like, I'd, I'd like to make some money. But really, if you are a person who's looking to scale up a business, there has to be more behind it than that, right? Um, and so thinking through those answers, I feel like is a really important step that will help guide you and it will make it very clear for you to know when it's time to scale up or, or maybe scale down, you know, depending on, on what your priorities are. Yeah, you're giving us some good advice on just business 101 in general. I think it's really important because like we haven't shared some of our deeper goals on this podcast, but Mike here is going to retire from a corporate job that he's had for a number of years. And we're very hopeful that we can put some business things in place and have them established and up and running before he would make that retirement choice so that we have some income revenue streams that are coming in that are very simple or easy to manage at that point or kind of very successful at that point that where you could just jump in and be able to still have income but more on your terms that that more of your priorities and your workplace values so that is one of our deeper whys behind it and so knowing that we're trying to prepare 
this business for that, I think is, you know, critical to the decision making that we, that we do as we go forward. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's you're, you're giving away our secrets, but that's, <laughs> we're here to give away our secrets, aren't we? <laughs> that's uh that's why I had the LLC because the future goals is some of it's going to require an LLC, but it's not for another five or six years. Now I'm not going to pay $750 every single year for the next five years. Cause we are not making that much money in the reselling business. So that is just a business decision that we looked at on paper and it does not make sense for us. All right. So let's talk about the, where everybody sits at, where most of us are probably sitting at. We're average resellers, right? You're making $10, anywhere from $10 to $30 profit on each item that you do. And there's going to be a lot of people out there like, what, what are you talking about? I make so much more than that. That's fine. And that's great. That's fantastic that you are, but you're not an average reseller. You're sitting up in that 20% that I talked about in the first place. But for the average reseller, what you need to consider if you're fine with it. And a lot of people could be fine with it as having this as a side hustle. And, you know, to be honest with you, what we're doing pays our mortgage. It's that's, that's a great side hustle to pay your mortgage or to pay some bills. Absolutely. That's an amazing goal. I know. Or double mortgage if you can swing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Double> mortgage, <laughs> mortgage plus another payment on the principal. Mm -hmm. So what that takes is you need to look at what your functions are in your reselling business. So you have to go source items to sell. You have to do the listing. You have to do the shipping. And you need, really need to look at how many hours that you're putting into that because if you're a single person, there's a finite amount of hours that you can put into reselling. And for the average reselling re reseller, they not only get into it because they want to make money on it, but it's because it gives them freedom at home to make their own hours. They enjoy going out and shop. Well, I'm saying they, but I, us, we enjoy going out and shopping at thrift stores and finding this fun stuff. Like you were talking about last episode, you go out, you, you get the joy of buying it, finding it, buying it, bringing it home, looking at it, yeah. playing with it, whatever. Yeah. And then <laughs> listing it. And then the joy of making money off of it too, by selling. And yeah. that's where a lot of the joy comes from, yeah. from reselling, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just making money or making more money is, you know, that is a, that is a logistical um, priority for a lot of people, but you know, you, what you just said really speaks to the heart of some of your work values, the things that bring you joy, the things that bring you, um, satisfaction and stability and, you know, integrity, your ethics, those, it speaks to those. So, you know, you have to balance the desire to, to make more income. That's just a logistical priority that is important, but, um, having some of those workplace values kind of ironed out is is really what makes you successful to the next level. <laughs> and being in that 10 to $30 profit margin is fine. Like I said, don't yeah. get us wrong. It is totally okay and respectable to be in that profit margin for doing a side hustle. And even if it takes care of your bills, if the, if your bills are low enough that you can live off that and still enjoy it, that's great. But for you to scale up, you're going to have to calculate those hours that you have available, those finite hours in your life that you have available to where you get to a point to where it's no longer enjoyable for you. This is no longer a fun thing for you to do. And I don't know about you, but if I get to that point, I don't want to do it. Like 
I'm about to retire in a few years and I want to go do the things that I want to do. If the fun things, the enjoyable things. And so if I'm doing a reselling business and I'm investing all of my time into it and I'm just miserable and achy and just whatever, I'm not going to do it. So where is that limit for you? You need to find, and that's your own personal opinion, where that limit is, where that number is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What you got for us? So the next step is really laying a foundation for your success. And that means having your your home life and your you know your work life. You have to have those in order. You have to have a written budget so that you can really understand what your weekly and your monthly financial needs are. Uh, you can throw darts at a moving target if you want to, but you're not going to be very successful, right? So we want to know what exactly it is that we're trying to accomplish. And the only way that we can do that is if we really understand what our needs are. For some people, that's going to just be picking up a little extra cash to help with like the fun things. They may say like, this is our date night you know, budget or this is our, our car payment or some people might have some really like I need it to cover all of my living costs. Well, mm. if you needed to do that, then you need to know what those are so that you can make informed choices. You, I wouldn't encourage anybody to move forward without really thinking through the, if it's possible, if it is realistic. Like I think that people can get very caught up in making choices that are not realistic. And your, your bottom line is if you, if you can make the money or not to be able to do it, it will help you, um, you know, be able to, to make those decisions about when it's time to scale up. So if you have an emergency fund set aside for, you know, what if your plan goes sideways? What if you have a couple of bad sales months, like sales right now are not good for a lot of people on eBay. Um, are you going to put you yourself or your family in a position where that would cause a crisis? If you're going to quit a job that brings in all, as much money as your family needs to survive on and you're going to take this risky gamble, I would tell you to like pump the brakes on that decision. Like really make informed, wise, slow, rational like choices about scaling up your business because you don't want to fall behind on your responsibilities. And we would we would never want to encourage anyone to do that. So for most people, I think it starts as a side hustle and then it scales up and it scales up and it scales up. And so um, you you will know when you have peace about that. I think where a lot of the indecision on whether or not that that's going to work is where it starts to feel like a risky gamble. Like, well, I'm going to do it, but I can't, I'm not, maybe can't pay my mortgage payment this month if the sales don't come in. Like, this is not a wise choice. <laughs> You should not scale up if you can't be certain that you're going to be okay. And so that really just takes knowing exactly the amount that you need to sustain life and having some money set aside for it to maybe not work out super great so that you have enough time to, if something, and when and if something bad does happen, you have a couple of months where you can make a pivot, right? You can say, I gave it my all. I'm, I'm going to have a two or three month window where this will either pick up or I need to really start making some different decisions for my family. And maybe that means re-entering the workplace. Um, and that gives you time to get your resume out, maybe go on some job interviews and go back to to steady income, you know, because it is going to be a source of income that is not super consistent. Right. You know, there's always going to be that, that right. ebb and flow <laughs> of right. it. And so, you know, just really think through. And I think that will help for help you to scale up 
um, carefully and responsibly. Right. Absolutely. The first business that you need to run is like Jen said, your house. They're the most important. You can treat your household as a business. So you can go from budgeting to organizing. You can treat your kids like employees. You can <laughs> might need to <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Schedules. Yeah. Start small. If you're thinking about going into the reselling business, just start with your own household. See if you can implement some of these business strategies into your household because it is those those cross over into business very nicely. Absolutely. And for a real rural rural real real <laughs> real world real. practical application, we're gonna let you behind the scenes in some little crafting things. Sure. One of them was that at one point, probably six months ago, maybe even a year ago, we had five thousand four hundred and forty some odd dollars saved up in the bank. Well, we had a bill or we had, yeah, we had a bill for $5,000 that I wanted to pay off and get off of our books. Mm -hmm. $5,440 in the savings account, emergency fund type of thing. We, or I, I think I made the decision, but <laughs> I made the decision to take that $5,000 and leave us with $440 in our savings account and pay off this thing. Well, Guess what happened next? Our washer and dryer broke. We had a major earthquake. We had to buy new washer and dryers. There's $3,000. Of course, we could have bought some cheap old ones, but we decided to go with, you know, really good ones, really nice ones. And then so that hits us, you know, and, and we just had the 5,000 in the bank, but no, I had to pay off something. So I, you know, we, 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 uh, so we went into debt for $3,000 or it was a tough couple of months with $3,000. And then guess what happens next? Our mortgage company doesn't pay our property taxes and we get a tax lien bill against our house. Out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. And it freaked me out for $3,000. Yeah. So then we had to scramble to get $3,000 together to pay for that property bill. And it's just been like one thing after another. I don't know if we've shared this on the episode but while we're on vacation our, our tahoe got stolen too I don't, think we did. I don't think we did either so we've had a, a string of bad luck in january yeah. things can come out of nowhere you can seemingly put everything in place where you think that you're making wise decisions and still it can go south yeah. things unexpected things are going to come up and so you know we can't say that this advice is going to prevent you from having any of these things happen but it will definitely be in your best interest if you have this type of foundation yeah. in place. <laughs> so with all that being said, my point is we had $5,000 in the bank. We had a $3,000 emergency. We, in a couple of months, we could have put that 3000 back into the bank account and still had that emergency fund, and then got the tax bill, not had to scramble for another $3,000, put that back into the savings account and still had that emergency fund. And then we get the car stolen. If we didn't happen to have another car as a recreational vehicle, we would have been without another car and then scrambling again to find another $3,000 or whatever it is to buy something reliable to, to tool around town. So that goes back to Jen's point to have that emergency fund set up. So when emergencies happen, they're not such an emergency yeah. that come up in your life. And they you're still are to, gonna, they're still going to hurt. They are going to hurt. <laughs> Trust me, they're no, going to hurt. No mistaking about it, but it's not the difference between 
I'm chasing after this dream. I have these goals for this business. And every little last thing that comes along has you second guessing your decision to do it. it you know, it's just mm -hmm. smarter if you can, you know, make, I mean, you can't protect yourself from every little last thing that's going to come along because sometimes some really big things in life get thrown your way. But, you know, you can, you can proceed with enough caution that you can withstand a few things being thrown your way and not have to, you know, backtrack too far in your business goals. So, yeah. Absolutely. So the next uh, tip is if you're okay with being an average employee or average reseller, and there's nothing wrong with being an average reseller, but you still want to scale up, but you've hit that ceiling of when it's become that finite amount of time and it's no longer becoming joy for you. And there's some little menial tasks that you don't like doing there is always the option of hiring an employee. Now it doesn't have to be an office manager with the MBA and all that kind of stuff where you gotta pay them $60,000 a year. Could be a college kid that just, teenager. <laughs> yeah, teenager, a college kid that just needs to make some extra money, mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20 bucks an hour, whatever it is, to do your shipping, to take photos of your items, mm -hmm. all of those little things that add up because if you like to source and do all that fun stuff, you like to ship out because sourcing and shipping are probably the most critical parts of your reseller store. Cause you have to be buying stuff that's going to make a profit. Right. And you want to ship out stuff to the correct customers. So those are two pretty important things. Absolutely. <laughs> but the other stuff you can hire out, you can hire out to a teenage kid or a college kid. And if you really look at it, Having an online store is no different. You are on, you're a retail business. You are no different than a thrift store or somebody else that's selling secondhand goods. That's a brick and mortar store. The only thing is, is that you don't have the overhead of having a commercial space. You don't have the overhead of having to, to have inventory on shelves and having to restock and all that other kind of things that they do. And, but you not having all that stuff, you have the freedom to be able to have time. And that's, I think why a lot of us go into reselling. It's because we like that thing about having time, but that would be my next uh, tip on if you wanted to scale up your business is just to find somebody local in the neighborhood that you trust that can take pictures and do the little stuff that you, you know, take up a lot of time for you. Yeah. You're going to want to look into payroll laws i mean obviously you're unless you have like a teenager oh, those are good points you know um you may add you may think you're taking things off of your plate but you are going to have to you know prepare um, tax forms for these individuals you're gonna have to run payroll um so you know if you have a situation where you um have a teenager that could just wants to come in for a few hours or something to do easier tasks then it it probably would net out okay. Um, you just have to look into the fact that you, you're going to have to pay at least whatever your state's minimum wages, and that varies by state. So, I mean, we can't say that here in California. Um, that's that would be challenging if you're not making a huge profit margin on each item. But you know, that's depends on where you're at. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Good point. Stick with the laws. You don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to get in trouble no. with the laws like that. Yeah. 
All right. So Jen, you got another, you got another piece of advice for us? I do. And so after you put, you know, if you're thinking about your, your dreams and you want financial independence, a lot of people are going to be moving slowly towards phasing out their full-time income. Um, meaning uh, presuming that a lot of people are working 40 hour a week jobs and they are finally to the point where their side hustle is consuming so much of their time, so much of their bandwidth, and they're really bringing in the income that they can start to really consider trading some of their full-time hours for more hours to spend on eBay, right? And so that is going to take you knowing exactly how much your household needs to have coming in so that you can have that be um, that you can meet those needs consistently and reliably. And it may take you a little bit of time, but um, part-time jobs that pay pretty well, decent hourly wages, they, they really do exist. They are out there. It might take you a little bit of time to find something, to look around and find something that's within your skill range or the talents that, you know, that, that suit you. Um, but you could just start to trade some of those 40 hours. Maybe instead of your 40 hour a week job, you need to find a 20 hour a week job that's consistent so that you have consistent, reliable income coming in that would meet you know, a good portion of the income that you would need, then there's less pressure for your eBay business to perform and you freed up hours in order to do work that in theory, you are both enjoying both things more than what you would enjoy your 40 hour a week job. So let's just say I presume like you hate your 40 an hour a week job and you really like eBay and you wish you could make a go of it. You just need to find 20 hours of something else that's not eBay that you would really enjoy doing or is more stomachable than your 40 hour job. And then you just kind of, you make that swap. Now for some people that's going to create some additional budgeting things that they're going to need to adjust to. Um, for example, if you are going to be at home more and your child care bills were, say they were outrageous, but now you're not going to have to pay that bill anymore because you're at home for the hours that you would need to have been paying someone to watch your children, then maybe that comes out really great for you, right? Um, if your spouse isn't the person who has your health insurance and now you need to buy health insurance because you are now a part-time employee and you still want to have medical coverage, you may be looking at a very expensive monthly bill that you might not have factored in. So you're going to really want to think through how making that decision would change uh, other than having your larger consistent income because it could come with some other trade-offs that you would need to consider. But um, I think when the time is right to advance towards your goals, I think they will make more sense for you when they're on paper and that will feel more controlled and more responsible in the long run. Mm -hmm. And trust me, it's not so daunt as daunting as it feels to write down your goals on a piece of paper and figure that stuff out. Doesn't have to be detailed. Doesn't have to be pretty. Doesn't have to be like spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. Just simple stuff. And really by what we mean by that is just be specific. So if your mm -hmm. goal ultimately is to make more income. Now that is, like I said, that is a logistical priority for your family. We simply, we need to make more income. Then make your goal be the amount that you are hoping that you're actually realistically trying to make. So I am, my goal is to be able to make my vehicle payment every month with the eBay business. I need to generate $800 mm -hmm. of, of income. So make the goals specific. Your goal shouldn't just be to quit your 40 hour a week job. 
you, you're going to have multiple goals in order to reach that, right? Like sub sub goals, little goals within the big goal, right? Um, so be, be specific so that you can be moving towards, you know, achieving those. Yep. And actually, Rachel Strickland, who we've had on the show before, that's why she started reselling was to buy her dream car, which was a Bronco. And she did that. She went and paid cash with it. She's got a great video up on YouTube about it. If I can find it, I'll put it in the in the link. I'll put a link to it below. But that's a that's an awesome goal to leave us off with. And so we just want to tell all of you that we appreciate you listening. And if you do are enjoying the show, please go below. If you're in the audio portion of our podcast, then go below on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Really helps out. Five stars is great. And then also we noticed that a lot of you are watching on YouTube, but you are not subscribers of the show. So just, we'll give you a second. We'll pause and just go hit that subscribe button. So we can get our numbers up with the subscribers. And then that way, you know what that does is it's going to help us produce better content because that ad revenue start coming in. And then we can don't have to work off of janky tripods and all that other kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. And we can actually have some good, good equipment to do. And it, it'd just, it'd be better for you guys. So just yeah. right now we'll pause two seconds, hit that subscribe button, turn your phone upside down, hit that <laughs> subscribe button. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and it also helps us achieve our goals. One of our goals is to be able to share this information with as many people as we can possibly mm -hmm. get it to. So yeah. thank we you like for helping doing us this. reach one of our goals. <laughs> we like doing this as a little hobby. It's kind of nice, a um, uh, husband and wife thing. And having Carl on every once in a while and then other interviews that we can have on too. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And as long as we're having fun, we'll keep doing it. So, Absolutely. and then one other piece of business is we like bubble wrap. If you have extra bubble wrap, send it to us, please. <laughs> we're hitting up all of our friends for bubble wrap or shortage on bubble wrap. It has been. Oh, so we have a package coming this week with um quite a few different size boxes. Mm -hmm. The pain of having a business and not having the supplies exactly when you need them. Well, I'm a few days off of having supplies and it has been a little challenging this week yeah. to get things packaged up uh, and out the door because I don't have the, the things that I need. Right. So you gotta have, you have to plan in advance. <laughs> gotta go and source some boxes. So did you buy those from American bubble boy? I have purchased the bubble wrap from American Bubble Boy. We, Not the boxes? We've got a humongous roll. Um, no, did they sell boxes, Mike? I don't Mike? think so. I don't think that they do. Um, I bought the boxes from Staples. But <laughs> if you do need bubble wrap, go on over to AmericanBubbleBoy.com backslash pickers, and you can use our link to purchase some bubble wrap over there. And they also have coffee. That's something that I was pushing recently is this coffee. So sure, can't we try that coffee? That's later. pretty cool. <laughs> so I'll have the link in the show notes below. Uh, just go ahead and click on it and I'll send you over to American Bubble Boy. You can check out some of their products. So it's time for a Tupperware update. Tupperware sales. All right, we'll get some kind of sound effect in there in the video. <laughs> Exciting. All right, so for right now, our Tupperware update. So as you, if you've been following along for a while, you know that we bought a storage unit full of Tupperware for $1,900, all in cost. And so far, we've sold $4,028.59 worth of Tupperware, and that's after eBay's fees. So that brings us with $2,125.59 of net wow. profit. 
I love it. So, and that's, that's with selling 240 listings at an average price or an average profit of $16 and 78 cents. And then Jen, how many listings do you have up on of Tupperware? This week I went over 800. I think it was on a Monday or so. Mm -hmm. And I remember being very excited. I told you, hey, guess what? We went over 800. And now we're, you know, now we're well past 800 a week's worth. I think we're at 823 or so, I think. 823. So you've done 23 listings in one week. That's great. So far, so good. And I mean, I have some that are halfway done (laughs) for today. but And shoot, I think I saw on the the app that you have five sold listings that you need to ship out. I've already packaged those up before this. It's so exciting. Um, I'm all packaged. What's interesting is that 240 sold listings, I know that some of those were combined, but I can't believe that I've, I mean, I don't know how many of them would be combined, but let's Mm -hmm. say it was 200 something that weren't. Um, That's a lot of trips to the, the post office. Yeah. <laughs> I go almost every day now, almost every day. Yeah. So. That's nice. You got to factor that gas price in there too, with your, with your, with your profits. Yeah. What I really like about eBay with their, their sales module, I know a lot of people are buying their labels for shipping someplace other than eBay, but we use the calculated shipping. We have people, we, we prefer the transparent business model where you pay for the product and you pay for the shipping and you know right. what's going to what. Um, I really enjoy that they have factored in, you know, those, those additional costs. There is money that is the and handling part is mm-hmm. um, provided to you for your boxes orders and, and that bubble boy bubble wrap and, and your trips to the post office. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, are you ready for some trivia? Oh, I suppose. <laughs> Super easy trivia this time. I La- think that you're going to do a great job. Last week was was hard. Uh, so it was ridiculous. It, it was, wasn't it was hard. A little, it was a little ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> have you been selling your saving your belly button, Lynn? Um, no. Oh, darn it. I'm sorry. If you have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> I'm just completely grossed out. Go check out last, uh, last episode. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. So, Jen, how many items does the average person part-time reseller have in their inventory? I'm going to say 500. Yes, you are correct. Often they have between 50 and 500 listings. I know that when we were new, I was really striving to get to 500. And I've heard our other friends mention that $500 or 500 item Mm -hmm. mark before. And so I was really believing that there was something with the algorithm that would, once you hit 500, things would be smoother. I don't know. There have been times I've struggled to keep it, you know, I'll have it over 500 and then we'll just sell quite a few things. And then I'm like, okay, well, now we're back over 500 yeah. and then we sell a few things. Yeah. And so, but now I feel like I'm squarely, I'm squarely gained on right. 500. So <laughs> I think we'll be good for a while. And if this other Tupperware purchase works out, we'll be up to you getting close to a thousand. Yeah, we might have to bump up the the store listing quantity at some point. All right. So how many with that, how many listings do you think a full-time reseller has on average? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to guess 2000. It's a pretty good guess. You're right around in there. So an average full-time reseller can have anywhere from a thousand to ten to tens of thousands of listings. So that's the people that are having like books for $2.99 with free shipping. Those are ten to ten thousand listings. That is just crazy to me still. All right. 
Last one. You're two for two, two out of three so far. Last one. How many listings do you think the casual reseller has? Just the people who aren't having it be a business. You mean yeah, people just who the just casual reseller. selling their own stuff on eBay? Yeah, basically. Mm, 20. It's a pretty good guess. It's actually right on the nose. 20 listings. I thought it was 50, but when I looked down I, at the answer, I not, it was right on the list. I did not cheat. I swear. I swear I didn't look. I know. I put it way down on the list so you can't <laughs> scroll down and see it. Yes. Three for three this That's week. That is impressive. That is, I, feel, I feel a little redeemed from redeemed, last week's trivia because yep. that was, that was okay. not great. <laughs> All right. How many of you listeners out there got the correct answers to leave in the comments below? All right, fellow pickers, go find your treasures one story at a time. And remember, it's not reselling if you don't know how big you can scale up your store. Thanks for listening. Bye.